Good, how are you? I'm doing really well. Welcome to the top down. Not that. Wow. Okay, so <laughs> that didn't sound forced at all to begin with, and then you got the wrong fucking podcast name. Wrong wrong podcast. Great. It's a pixel response. <sighs> the hey, top down response? The top down response. The top so, pixel response down? Sorry, dude. They're like... The, they're married together now in my brain. They're like the same. They're different things. They're, they're not. The same. They're not the same? They're not the same. Oh, man. You're, you're angry at my other podcast? I'm angry at Sean. Sean, I'm calling you out. Podcast what battle. What, what happened? I don't know. I'm just kidding. I like Sean. He's fine. <laughs> oh, it's just like, hey, how could you not figure out Frog Fractions? What's oh, dude. Yeah, so I was streaming this week every day. Yeah. Just kind of for the hell of it. And I ended up playing Frog Fractions on Friday while streaming it. Oh, good. Yeah, and there is actually video on YouTube now of me doing that. So there is oh, Frog okay. Fractions video of me playing through it on YouTube. That's an important game. It um, It is an experience more than a game, I think. I'm not. I'm still not sure what to call it because it's so many different things. But, like, I think it's still a game because you can discover stuff that you might not otherwise so the criteria for a game is discuss or discovering stuff or well, is like, it playing through can, like there i guess there's a story kind of there's totally a story there's an amazingly epic story in that game which is really weird okay yeah, yeah um, i guess it also just has like classic gameplay systems in it like text adventure and stuff that part had me stumped, I'm not going to lie. I needed some help from the people watching to try different things, and it took me about half an hour to get through. That that bit slowed me down a bit, too, but uh, I just kind of muscled through it. Okay, so, I'm sorry, why would I be mad at Sean for Frog Fractions? I don't get it. No, I was just a little, like, baffled that he couldn't figure it out. But, yeah. Wait, oh, did you not listen to the What do you mean? Podcast? No, oh, okay. not this week, if it was the latest one. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, this happened to Sean Vanneman, I believe, too, over at Idle Thumbs. Um, they thought the joke was if you play the first bit forever, the characters start talking about waffles in the item descriptions or in the quest descriptions or whatever, like the unlockable things. Mm-hmm. And they thought the joke was you just play this shitty pond game forever. They never figured out how to get fruit. So... They were literally doing it the hard way then. Yeah, they were trying to like grind their way to twenty five. Okay, to be completely fair though. Yeah. I the way I figured out is I was moving around and I accidentally went down. Exactly. But I okay. think you're supposed to do that because it's like, hey, you can move around now, W A S D, and that's the clue. And also, as I pointed out, like the fruit falls into the pool, so you're supposed to be like, wait a minute. Okay, like, the fruit falling in the pool could be just a video game convention, though, where, oh, that's out of play now. Like, the what got me is the fact that when you can move, you can move in all four directions, and I accidentally right. moved screens over, and so... And then I, then I went, what? Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited. So, yeah. yeah. And that game does a couple, like, wait, what? You know, pretty well. So I was really happy. But anyway, that's not even important. Like, I played that last week. Um, oh, unless, did you finally get to it this week? Is that what you're saying? Like, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, it wasn't even a talking point. I didn't put it on there. You brought it up, so that's why I was saying it. Right. Okay. That that's fair. Um. Okay. Moving on to like, the, I 
can I just go chronological what happened this week? Maybe? No, I want to talk to you about The Strangers and Insidious at the same time, because we were talking on other episodes about how I like them. Well, that, w- that, was, that was chronological. That's literally right after we stopped recording last week. I watched The Strangers, and then the next morning I watched Insidious. Okay, what do you think of The Strangers? I did not... Okay, I did like things that it did. Specifically, there's a shot early in the movie... Um, that is an atypical horror shot in that it didn't have me prepared. You know, like how movies kind of forecast when something's going to come out or be revealed as bad? Yeah. There's a super wide shot of, like, Liv Tyler just kind of chilling in her house, Mm -hmm. and then shows up in the background. I was like, oh, shit, that's awesome. Yeah. Because movie wouldn't normally do that. Like, I would be prepared for someone arriving. I found there was quite a few of those, though, which made it so unsettling. Okay, um, I, I guess the first time they did it was the most effective one for me. Right, After okay. that, um, I don't know, I, I didn't get super bothered by it or anything, like, I just thought it was a fairly well-executed little movie. Okay. But, yeah, in terms of being, like, profoundly disturbed or something, like, that didn't happen, so... I, and I kind of thought through that some, I think that might have something to do with, um, I watched that Martha Mary Marlene or whatever. What, what's it called? Um, Martha Mary May Marlene. May Martha Mary Marlene or something. I know yeah, what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, Um. and there's a similar kind of Mason, like, or what's that guy's name? Charles Charles Manson? Manson, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like a, that manner of cult does a home invasion in that movie. Okay. And I guess I just kind of thought through some of the gnarliness of that situation like a couple months earlier, so it wasn't like fresh subject matter for me. It was just like, oh yeah, mur- murdering people for no good reason. Okay. Yeah, that's the part that always gets me. The end. The whole reason why they're the, like that. She at Liv Tyler asked, "Why are you doing this?" And they said, "You're ho- because you were home." Mm-hmm. Like that's just messed up. That's they disturbing. Just to kill it's, it's too real for me. I think. Well, because it's totally impartial. They just they just want to kill you. Yeah, like there was no other reason for it. There, it's not that they she stole her boyfriend or something, or that they owed them money. They wasn't grounded in anything. It was just wrong place, wrong time. Mm-hmm. To be fair, it was a pretty wrong place though. It's a remote cabin, so just never do that. Yeah, <laughs> and that movie just starts off really kind of depressing too. Well, like this couple kind of having weird issues, and it's kind of neat. Like their their characters kind of grow together but then die yeah you know, spoilers but we basically said that yeah um but you know that they they reconcile things between each other and find out what's really important and then they you know get murdered horribly but yeah it, it was it was okay um <laughs> insidious i, 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 I like creep, creepy masks and stuff too so that helps the masks were good but okay insidious insidious i watched uh i I generally liked it. It it was definitely very much... Two films in one? Well, no, it was very Poltergeist was the thing. Okay. That stood out to me. Um, interestingly, I, like just before we started recording, they just announced they're doing Insidious Chapter 2. They just announced a sequel. With, like, the same characters or what? Um, yeah, same cast is apparently returning. Uh, same screenwriter and James Wan is coming back as director. So does it... Is it supposedly going to take place right after the thing at the end that happens? Yes, they could do that, which is kind of weird. Like, I guess it would be the, like, this came out, like, two years ago, but, like, the quest to save uh, Patrick Wilson's character. Yeah. Maybe, which would be kind of neat. 
Um, but yeah, it definitely was reminding me of, like, Poltergeist 2, but done better. You know, like, some of the same stuff, like, weird, strange, old spirits, and, like, uh, that other place or whatever, like, the, what did they call it? The, the... Oh, the, shit. It was something... Yeah, something stupid. It, it's basically in, uh, Dragon Age Origins and the, uni- the Dragon Age universe, they call it the Veil. Yeah. But yeah, it's that it's between dreams, really. It's like it's this the astral projection thing. It's once you leave, and there's this whole kind of weird, creepy dream world. I didn't hate how that stuff looked, though. I guess a lot of people had issues with the budget or something Mm -hmm. when it goes into that realm. But that was sort of consistent in with other stuff I've seen, and again, better executed than Poltergeist 2's version of that. Which yeah. is just nonsense. It's like them floating around in this weird sky place, and there's this messed up monster thing. Mm-hmm. And it definitely looks more out there and different, but not anything like any dreams are, so that wouldn't have worked, really. Um, but yeah, like I j- all the Poltergeist comparisons, like it seems very conscious or something. Like They have a team of people come in and investigate the house and everything. Like, uh, there's almost an analogous character to Zelda Rubenstein, you know, like the expert paranormal person that comes in. Yeah. And I don't know. But, like, that was fine. It wasn't as fun as that movie, though. Like, it's not a happy adventure at any point. It's more kind of serious. So, yeah. I'm not sure how good a time I had, but it it was reasonably well done. So, did you really like it, or...? Uh, I thought it was okay. I was going into it with everybody I know saying that it was terrible. And it is definitely not terrible. Oh, it's not terrible, no. It's, yeah. it's really Like, I guess the appearance of the creature and stuff is kind of silly looking, maybe, but... I'm okay with that, though. Like, I don't see why people need anything more than a monster movie these days. Yeah, it's a weird demon or something. And it's like, okay. Yeah. That's a thing a movie like this would do. Um, Can we stay... Yeah, and stuff I like. I want to stay th- uh, thematical a little bit, and let's go to Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh yeah, I, I just watched that recently. Um, that ga- that movie really mainly works because of the great chemistry between like Labine and Tudic. Yeah, absolutely. Really fun guys. Yeah, because and- every other like character or whatever, every other person in that movie is totally unlikable. Well, they're they're kind of supposed to be though. Like they're this group of teens that are really stupid and they end up dying a lot, so they don't want you to get too upset about that. Yeah. And they have the one girl, Allie, who, like, sympathizes with them and kind of spends time learning what they're about. So she's okay, I guess. I guess. But just not stupid. Um, but, yeah, it, I don't know. It, it was it was fun movie that they're bumbling around. Well, they're, they're just being guys. I guess, okay, I really like that they were stoked about the cabin. Like, that was a yeah. moment that I thought was really funny. Because, like, most horror movies, they get to the cabin, they're just like, oh, this place is garbage. I yeah. thought your uncle said it was cool, and they're just like, man, this is awesome! Like, there's, like, bones and stuff hanging there, and they're just like, oh, I guess they were hunters. Like, they're just excited about The all old stuff. newspaper clippings and everything, like, it's just kind of a creepy place. Right. Like, they see, yeah, they see a wall full of newspaper clippings about murders and stuff that happened, and the thing they notice is a coupon for corn dogs. Yeah. And it's like, that's great. Like, the, those characters are just optimistic like blue collar dudes and yeah it was pretty now cool. compared to cabin of the woods how do you think it does the whole satirical take on horror well it's, it's like it's so much more specific like it's just so it's just like the hillbilly deliverance type horror 
yeah, it's like one strain of horror movies that they kind of have fun with. Right. So, yeah, like, I heard this discussion in relation to, like, why didn't it get wider distribution? It's probably because it's, like, such a narrow niche of understanding, mm-hmm. you know? And I've seen a couple movies that do that, so it's like, all right, I get what's happening here. You know, like, you see the end of Easy Rider or Deliverance or something, mm-hmm. and you know exactly what the characters are scared of, and then that does not, that is not justified. Um, and then, yeah, the dude being half hillbilly and everything, that's, that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was fun. I kind of want to go through it again with the commentary uh, with the cast, because it's really the, those two characters' dynamic that makes that movie, so to hear them kind of talk about it could be pretty fun. Yeah. So that yeah, that might be a good a good commentary track. But yeah, it just kind of had a a pleasant, happy vibe to those characters. Like it was, I, it kind of. I'm trying to think what kind of movies I'd compare it to for that. Like it was just like, this is such a fun group of people that you kind of just like the film universe at large, and you want to be there. But I don't know what. For some reason, Gremlins is coming to mind, but I wouldn't want to be in Gremlins. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. I don't know, man. Gizmo. It's cute. Gizmo. Yeah, I want to hang I, out with Gizmo. I would cuddle the shit out of him. They, they made Furby versions at some point. Okay, I would not cuddle a Furby. Those things are terrifying. And they're back. I know. Watch with out. the crazy digital eyes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, general consensus, uh, Tucker and Dale is pretty great. Yeah. Uh, um, did you, you enjoyed it overall? You was pretty good oh yeah i watched it maybe like a month or two ago but yeah totally good um going back to the order of stuff like i saw cloud atlas okay and i thought it was really amazing really okay yeah i have to contextualize that like i've never read the book or anything so you know maybe it pales in comparison or whatever but the book always seemed to me like a tome, though, and I don't really want to go through it. Like, I don't know how interested I am in the story as a book, so yeah. the movie is more intriguing to me because then I could just sit down for two to three hours. Right. And that's it's, fine, instead of, like, two to three months. It, yeah, it's, well, it's a 544-page book. Okay, so it's not as long as I thought it was then. Right. It's pretty dense, I guess, though, because, like, I would be... I'm, I'm actually really curious in the book now because, like... This movie juggles six stories really, really well, considering how different, like, how, like, distinctly different in time and stuff they are. Right. You know, like, it's six different time periods. Um, different characters, but they're all kind of linked by being the same actors and stuff, and the whole idea is they're kind of the same person in a different life. It's almost like a karma-type, reincarnation-type notion. Okay. But they kind of justify it in a pretty cool way. Like they they have So are they able to remember their past lives or whatever then? No, but we the audience have the benefit of seeing how all these lives have interconnected. Okay. Which makes an amazing character arc specifically for Tom Hanks's characters. So the idea is that the a character arc doesn't actually happen really in a specific in time a frame of a life. movie, but like yeah. Yeah, but it spans centuries, so like we could be at the very end of our personal character arcs and what Yeah, it's 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 actually really, really cool how well they execute that stuff. Specifically linking it by having the same actors, like you it's really easy to kind of pick up on exactly what's going on and who this is, whatever. Right. 
like considering how dense that is, like I was really impressed by how easily transferable that information was. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, like there are there are some kind of you need to have some suspension of disbelief powers if you're going to enjoy it. I'm because, a horror movie fan. That's all I have. Yeah. Okay. Just because like the makeup in this movie, um, <laughs> I, I'm going to say sometimes it's actually just intentional because they want to make sure you know like that is the same character so okay. it's to follow like yeah. it's almost like watching a play or something where you're kind of like well that's obviously not really an old man but it's the same actor playing it and he's really going for it so i'm gonna let him have that you know so you let that happen but yeah there are characters like actors play the female versions as well or a different race and okay. when it gets into that stuff it gets a little like that is clearly not a 19th century British woman. That is a like Asian woman with really bad contact lenses. And, okay. Uh, like you just kind of have to get over it if you're going to enjoy the movie. Right. Uh, and I found that pretty easy to do, but I could totally see that like making someone go like, man, it just totally kicked me out of the movie. Like I just couldn't take it seriously at that point. It's just like, I get it, but that's too bad. Cause I, I thought it was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also just curious, like, with the book, to see how much has been changed for the movie, like, or, like, adapted into a film-type context, because over the course of, like, these six different time periods, there's a lot of discussion about movies and the stories of some characters from previous lives being turned into movies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if in the book it might stick to its medium and be like, they made books and wrote stories about these people. You know, or because it would be weird if the book is talking about how great movies are as a as a form of expression about a person's life. Because if, if that's the case, then it's like, well, then the movie needs to happen because it would better express that. And then in this case, it's really great. But I, I can't say for sure whether it's it, that does that or not. Right. Or if they just comment on their own medium <laughs> in the movie because that's what they know, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and considering it's like th- like I'm. The Wachowskis directed half of it, and Tom Tickwer or whatever, the Run Low the Run guy, did the other half. Mm-hmm. Uh, and considering that, like, they actually fit together really well. Like, it's not super jarring. Like, you're like, oh, wow, this this segment is just does not fit. This is ridiculous. Okay, for the most part, except there's one. Uh, Jim Broadbent's character in one is just, like, such a lighthearted story that when they're all kind of wrapping up, it's super weird. Like, it's like, you know, one story is dealing with, like, you know, the, like, death or, like, uh, like cross paths. Like, they he couldn't contact this lover just before he died or whatever. Like, all these kind of heavy stories are happening and wrapping up. And, and Jim Broadbent is basically, like, Cocoon or something. Like, a bunch of old people escape an old folks' home. And okay. it's such a light comedy kind of thing happening. That, like, to have that concluding alongside, you know, this kind of post-apocalyptic world or, like, this betrayal happening hundreds of years ago and all this weird, like, dark stuff. It's just like, this is so out of place. What's going on? (laughs) Like, that one, that bit seemed a little weird, but whatever. Other than that, like, just great performances. Uh, Tom Hanks, you get to see, like, so much range within one movie. Like, I was reminded of, like like late 80s early 90s comic tom hanks from time to time but then you also get like some really sad heavy stuff later mm-hmm. so i don't know 
Like, it, it, yeah, it's, like, funny, entertaining, sad, all in one giant movie, and it moves really quickly, too, for, like, a three-hour thing. Like, there's so much happening that you're never really bothered by it. Um, I don't know. There's a lot to, like, point out and be like, Keith David was great. Hugo Weaving was weird. Like, there's there's stuff to see. It's a, it's a lot of movie in one movie. So I'm probably going to read the book and kind of see how they compare. But I was I was really impressed by it. It's one okay. Of so the important thing for me lately has been is it just fun like i just don't want to go to a movie and sit through some pretentious art house bullshit anymore so is it like is it entertaining like it's just it's like i i just wouldn't put it in like a weird art house like pretentious thing because there's like weird gun battles in the future and like okay but you could definitely see why i would ask that question right right like it's it's a lot of big ideas and thoughts so those those could be come across as really kind of like oh come on like overbearing or something but i don't know like how do you feel about magnolia maybe um i haven't seen it in a long time i liked it when i had yeah like i would say it's it's definitely no more pretentious than that and people some people thought that was extremely pretentious i would say it's probably a lot less because there's a lot more just overtly entertaining sci-fi business happening in this movie okay well the thing with me is i've been thinking a little bit more about seeing uh silent hill revelations Mm -hmm. and even though the movie was kind of a wreck in a lot of ways i still had fun watching it because i wanted to see what was going to happen next and the idea of sitting through like a three hour long tale of karma sounds like it could be the most boring thing if they did it wrong right but like i don't know there's like so many of the stories are just kind of like pretty involving and like yeah i was just really impressed how well they're juggling it but it's like you know halle berry in the 70s dealing with this like weird corruption thing with nuclear power plants and there's like you know espionage and assassinations and stuff happening there's a future one in neo soul in korea with like basically it's like an anime story like like robot like or clones and like human rights if you're a clone and all this stuff happening, like okay. this dude trying to save this lady and all this stuff. But then all the stories kind of weave together. But right, but like the little the idea seems sound enough. I, I guess what I was asking is the little stories they seem engaging enough for a modern audience that you could sit through it and still have fun. Right, and they're transitioning between them like all the time. So okay, it's not like you know you watch this chapter. So you wouldn't say it's stale chapter. then. Uh, yeah, like. I think there was only maybe like one moment in the three hours where I was like, I don't know if we need to get this involved in this story, you know, but yeah. I was like, considering it's like one of six stories, I had like a little bit of a dry patch in it. Like, that's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's just for me though, like personally speaking, but I don't know. I, I generally found more or less everything that was going on pretty interesting. And especially just having to think through how the events in one are connecting to another or echoing things that happened earlier or whatever. Like it, it's, there's a lot to keep you engaged. Right. So yeah, I, I was, I was genuinely impressed by it. Okay. Uh, I, I think I've, okay. Wait a minute. Why? Oh, you're right. Okay. A couple weeks ago I saw the shining as we talked about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that set me down kind of this whole Stanley Kubrick path that I started following up on this week. That's a dark path. Okay. <laughs> He's pretty great, and he didn't direct that many movies. No, so. he he's done some weird stuff, though, and if you're not a Kubrick fan, I don't know, I think it could eat away at you, probably. 
Oh, I guess. I just I just really like it. But, yeah, um, this stuff's great. I, I'm just saying it's a dark path to go down if you don't know what to expect. Obviously, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about right, anybody like, that might be listening. Most of those. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess, right, I guess one could look at Clockwork Orange and be like, that's a dark movie. There's like, oh, no, it's just fun. He's like a serial rapist in the future. It's great. She's like, no, no, dude, that's, that's that used to be heavy. It's like, no, dude, that's terrible. <laughs> it's like, oh, I guess, yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? I don't know. Like, I'm so removed from it now because I've just been looking at them for a long time. Yeah. But I watched uh, Stanley Kubrick, A Life in Pictures, which is the documentary about his his life. I haven't seen it. And his films. Um, It's pretty It's pretty great. It's like a they, they really kind of spend some time with each film along the way. Okay. Um, And they're talking to, you know, filmmakers that he inspired. Um, So, like, like Steven Spielberg's in there and Woody Allen and, and some of those guys. Um, what, and then what movie people, do they start with? Oh, uh, they they start with like day, the day of the fight or whatever, like a short film he made in like nineteen. Oh, they start way early then, like right from the and, beginning. Like, they literally they actually start with like the first photographs he took that got recognized. Oh, crazy! Movie. Okay, cool. So it, it's literally a summary of like all of his. So it's not work. just like Doctor Strange Love and everything after. No, no, no. Like it's yeah, it's, it's pretty much everything. Like the how he built his career, like starting doing kind of studio stuff like basically they looked at like how spartacus was kind of him getting his meal ticket you know yeah because like he stepped in last minute managed to turn this like collapsing epic thing into like a successful oscar-winning movie and he didn't really have that much personal investment in the story or anything and he had some tough fights with kirk douglas and stuff over creative creative control or whatever yeah but it was the success that earned him the right to make stuff his own after that and then they kind of really focus on how he was like, you know, one of the most important directors to have complete creative control over his films and like Final Cut and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, that led me to kind of look into Lolita. Yeah. Which okay. Was I guess one of the first movies that he had mo- like a lot of control over. And, okay. Yeah, I watched that this week. Um, it's definitely dated quite a bit. Like it's fifty years old now. Um, and at the time, like, it was like, oh, man, this is some dicey subject matter right here. You know, like, this is underage, like, you know, sexual indiscretions and whatever. This is crazy. Um, but they're so light and, like, tasteful about all that stuff in this movie that it's just like, oh, okay, I guess it's just the very idea of it was scandalous back then. So you kind of have to get over that. Um, but, man, I just thought James Mason's character was just pretty unlikable throughout the whole movie. Um, probably with no small part because they start with the best scene in the movie. Have you ever seen Lolita? Do you know what it's about? I saw it a long, long time ago. I was probably too young to even understand what was going on in the subject matter, so... Okay, I'm yeah. gonna say no, then. Yeah, it's like a, a professor in his late 40s or early 50s moves into an apartment and crushes real hard on the, like, teenage daughter of the landlady. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the daughter in the, the actress was like 16 or 17. I think the character is 14 or 15. So it's, it's a little sketchy. It's not, it's not normal. Right. Society or whatever. So it's kind of him handling that really badly <laughs> throughout the whole movie. Um, like, and there's some really kind of just tragic bits with like the landlady, like she's kind of fallen for him, but he's kind of being real dickish just because he's like no i'm not interested in you i want that it's just like come on dude that's 
It's a little cold. Like, to the point where he marries the mother just to kind of stay close to the, the, the daughter. Yeah. I don't know. Like, this is all stuff that's kind of visited in The Graduate or something, like, later in the 60s. Mm-hmm. But I guess this was one of the first kind of exploring weird relationship dilemmas. But yeah, dude just gets really depressed and sad sack, like, really, really quickly. And starts just thinking really dark thoughts about just like, wow, maybe I just murdered her. It's like, no, what are you doing? This is real bad. <laughs> uh, I really liked uh, Peter Sellers in the movie. Like he plays kind of this dude manipulating it, like him and his feelings and whatever for his own ends. Like because he's also way into that young business. He wants he wants a piece of that um, yeah. as well. But he's yeah, he handles it better, I guess, but still in a kind of self-serving way. But, um, yeah, I think the fa- my favorite scene in the movie, unfortunately, was the first scene in the whole movie. Like, they kind of start with the ending to then make you kind of question, like, how did we get to this point? Okay. But then, which, like, I was like, wow, this is a strong opening. That was real dark, weird stuff. That was that was pretty crazy. And then about, like, an hour or, or an hour and a half later, it's, it's almost two and a half hours. Like, I was kind of like, okay, I see how this happened, and now I just have to spend more time with this annoying character. Great. So I don't know how I felt about it overall. I, I don't know if I'd – I don't think I'd really revisit it. It's more just an academic thing to kind of fill in the gaps in my Kubrick knowledge. Okay, yeah. Um, there was some positive stuff along the way. But, yeah, I, I, I guess that, that – that, they talked about that one quite a bit. Um, oh, I also watched Punch Drunk Love, which is only very tangentially related. Okay. Because, yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson kind of – Seems to remind me of Kubrick in some of his stuff. Specifically, There Will Be Blood's ending, you know, mm-hmm. seemed a weird in, in a way that Kubrick wouldn't have not, you know, it's, I don't know, the way he handles his movies and the creative control on the subjects he chooses and stuff just seems to echo that in some way. So I decided to revisit that movie. Um, Have you seen Punch Drunk Love? Or? No, never have. Oh, I would, I would still, like, I'm not a... Sandler fan, but I think it's pretty objective to say it's the most interesting thing he's done. In okay. Terms of different from everything else he's done. Right, because he's done the same thing for years, so anything is different than what he's done. Right. And this this contrasts really sharply with everything else, and I I I still really like it for that. Um, but yeah, it it, it was kind of weird, like how quickly this movie is like dated now, because it's. Dude, like, sad, depressed guy phones a sex line and then starts getting hassled by, like, debt collectors and stuff in relation to that right as he's starting up this relationship. Right, so it basically is Nathan Rohr's life story. No, <laughs> what? That's not what happened. But, um... <laughs> not yet. Not yet. But, no, just the existence of a sex line just seems so dated to me. Because it's just like, oh, just get some porn, dude. It's the internet. It was right. 2002. It's not like that didn't exist either. So it just kind of chooses to do that. And that just seems like a weird thing that would never happen now. Right, because now you have lineofdudes.com. Yeah, you have lineofdudes.com and other noteworthy sites. So you don't need to phone some sketchy place in, I don't even remember, some small town. Somewhere. In all reality, everybody should go to lineofdudes.com. Yeah, obviously. But, uh, yeah. And, you know, this character probably could have too and avoided a whole lot of trouble. Um,. And he would have got some good media coverage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, uh, it it still does, like, okay, uh, right, right. The first time I saw it, I thought the score was really annoying. Like, it, 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 it 
this is just me kind of talking through my own thoughts now at this point, but there's a really weird, discordant, awkward-sounding score in okay. the movie. But that's obviously on purpose. On I purpose, that yeah. Now. It's meant to kind of just make everything stressful. And the character is very stressed out and overwhelmed a lot, and then he has weird little bursts of anger that happen. Okay. And, like, where he just kind of, like, it explodes. Like, he just fills up, he's bottled it up too much, and then it just pops out every now and then. He just can't hold it in anymore. And the music definitely contributes to that feeling. Um, and it's just, it's just genuinely a kind of nice story of, like, this introverted, upset, like, nervous wreck starting to sort through him, himself and do what he wants and it's it's a nice little thing. So yeah, it's 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 a solid movie. Not my favorite favorite PT Anderson movie, but it, it's a decent one. Mm-hmm. Um, then there was a double feature where I watched Kiss Me Deadly. Okay. And Assault on Precinct Thirteen. The original. Yes. Okay. Seventies Carpenter movie. Yes. Okay. Kiss Me Deadly is probably most noteworthy as being kind of I guess sort of the origin point of the mysterious briefcase idea yeah. you know like um pulp fiction pulp fiction yeah recalls that um and like i don't want to you know have you seen kiss me deadly I, I, i'd assume maybe not no but it's from like the 50s i'm not gonna watch it now so okay like i i can talk kind of vaguely about what makes the ending really cool like it's it's basically like a very straightforward uh film noir movie for the most part like you're it's like you're watching maltese falcon or something Right. But then the artifact, like the central part of the mystery that they find at the end of the movie is so weird that it huh. kind of makes the rest of it like really strange. Like, or it doesn't make the rest of it real strange, but it's, it just kind of ends on such a bizarre note that it's kind of awesome. Like, hmm. it's like, you know, imagine like Humphrey Bogart's just going around looking for stuff. It's, it's not in this film, obviously. Um, but, and then what he finds when he finds it, it's like, Oh, dude, this is from, like, another dimension or something. This is something wrong. Like, it's basically equated to Pandora's box. Like, they open it, and it really, it literally reminded me of the ending of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, that kind of nutty business happens. Okay. I thought that was pretty neat. Like, Like, I would pretty much, I'm pretty sure Steven Spielberg probably saw this movie, too. Like, it's really exact how strange the stuff that happens when that box is opened, happens. And right. that was such a great, weird note that contrasted with the rest of the kind of straight-laced mystery of the rest of the movie that uh, I, I thought that payoff was really good. Um, I'd probably also compare it to, like, Angel Heart, if you've seen that. It's from the 80s. No, I haven't. Uh, it's Mickey Rourke, and, like, he's basically doing kind of, like, this seemingly straight-laced uh, mystery investigation, like, private eye kind of stuff. And then he quickly just just ends up this nightmarish, like messed up stuffs happening that is clearly not normal, and it it's pretty great too. Like that kind of slow descent into weird zone is a cool thing that when done right is is pretty awesome. So yeah, Kiss Me Deadly was a nice early example of that. Like it's still dated in a lot of respects, you know, because it's from the '50s. There's some of the dialogue and stuff's kind of silly. Um, some of the supporting characters. There's like this Italian uh, mechanic guy who just seems so over enthusiastic and he's just like overacting all the time. Like, 
they're, they're, like there's shots of him just by himself in the garage. He's just like, boom, boom, yeah, cars. And he's like fixing stuff. And you're just like, you're by yourself. Why are you this excited? This makes no sense. It, I don't know. So there's like little weird quirks here and there throughout it. But yeah, that ending is awesome. Um, Assault on Precinct 13. Mm-hmm. I really, I like the first 40 minutes of that movie a lot. Okay. The build up to the, the kind of big showdown that happens. Did you see the remake? I've never seen the remake. I was okay. about how they do you know how they cast it really? Like do you know who Ethan Hawke plays versus Lawrence Fishburne? Like who's the sheriff? Oh, what do you mean? Like in the new one? In the new one. Ethan Hawke is the good guy. Is the sheriff? Yeah, and Lawrence Fishburne is the criminal head. Like the prisoner guy? Yeah, the main prisoner guy. Okay, cuz like in, in Assault on Precinct 13, like, the villains are kind of just weird, solemn, quiet dudes. Mm-hmm. And the main character dynamic is between the sheriff and this, like, death row inmate. The main guy, yeah. Yeah. And they, they end up having to team up against this crazy siege that happens on this... On the precinct. Station. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, like, it's kind of a minor thing, but it still stands out as being kind of a cool early thing. Like, this was the 70s. Uh, the black dude plays the sheriff, the white dude plays the inmate. That's, That's pretty kind of cool. refreshing to see. Like, yeah. It's a nice little, you know, not playing to societal, you know, stereotypes or whatever. Like, it was it was a cool little thing. And it ends on a cool little, like, yeah, those guys walking out. They're, they're buddies now. They figured it out. They stood against the hordes. Um, and it did remind me of kind of John Carpenter's, like, Halloween tendency, too, to make the villains not so much a character but like an entity you know mm-hmm. like much like kind of like mike myers or whatever like they don't have to say anything they just they're just bad and they will just always be there and yeah to ward it off and that's what they successfully end up doing and it, mainly i really like the music like it's it's john carpenter scored it himself and it's like really just four tracks but they're just so perfect at summing up exactly what they need to it's just like badass cool theme uh, kind of optimistic, sad little whimsical thing, you know, like spooky tones for like some parts here and there. It's just like this is great. Like it's so bare bones and blue collar, but it's it fits so well that I was really happy with it. So yeah, that that movie holds up pretty well. Um, weird blood sacrifice things, kind of gross. Like they do this blood pact between the gangs at the beginning. Yeah, I don't know that kind of. Made me a little nauseous. <laughs> I just don't like seeing a glass kitchen bowl full of blood. Like just, just poke your finger or something. You just. That's all you chill. need to do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that movie is that movie is pretty great. Um, is the remake worth seeing? I kind of am curious about it. It's fun. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I guess I will. Like I did say, I like the setup really well. Like the actual meat of the combat is kind of boring. Like it's just like dudes run up to a window and then get shot and yeah. it was almost like watching a light gun game mm-hmm. like it was like dude jumps out from behind a thing and then gets shot yeah and, like three dudes run down this hallway and for some reason they don't shoot you for way too long and then you shoot them right like which maybe this did inadvertently inspire the light gun game i don't know but <laughs> it fits right into that mold you could make an adaptation of this movie really easily just turn those scenes into an fmv game there you go there you go boom 
Um, do you want to talk about stuff you've been doing? I've been monologuing a lot because it was just movie rundown. Uh, I went to see Wreck-It Ralph. Okay. Just to keep on the movie thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, ask me anything about Wreck-It Ralph. Okay. How much time do they spend? 20 in the... minutes. Well, the Sugar Rush cabinet. Oh, the Sugar Rush cabinet? The, the whole movie. Pretty much. Is that boring? Like, do they... Do they still get to do video gamey referency stuff in there, or has it become more of just kind of a colorful animated thing? It's become more of an animated thing. They do still do do some video game stuff, but not nearly as much. Uh, the first bit of it is the setup where they really look at the meat and bones of uh, the whole video game background and the retro thing and all that sort of thing. Right, and it just sets up town type idea. Right, but what it does mainly is it sets up the setting for the rest of the story to take place. So that part takes about 15 to 20 minutes to get through. And then after that, it is essentially just the same, like finding yourself story that any Pixar type movie does. Okay. So just Wreck-It Ralph kind of figuring out how to be who he wants to be. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph really figuring out who he is and like how to use what he is to be who he is like as a good person. Uh huh. And that whole sort of thing. And there's weird twists and turns I'm not going to get into. Uh, There's one spoiler point that is actually... I never even saw it coming, really. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm not going to go ahead and say that, because you're going to see it tomorrow. Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah. I'll know shortly, I guess. Uh, I'm kind of weirded out I haven't seen it already, because it's like video game-centric animated movie with Sean C. Riley. Like, that should be something I got more excited about. At the same time, you do have to realize that it is a kid's movie at yeah. heart. So there are stupid jokes and, like, kind of like, cringeworthy. Like, Silverman annoying? Yes. But at the same time, it's fine. It's not It's not annoying in a way that she usually is, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's annoying in a way that a kid's cartoon show character would be. Okay. So it's still totally okay. Like, her character does say some stupid jokes, and they... She goes with this whole, like, duty, because, you know, poop joke. Oh, okay, so to, they do... They do, they do do that sort of thing, like, really face-palmy moments with the dialogue and when they're trying to appeal to kids' sense of humor. Uh-huh. Other than that, her voice fits the character very well, and she is pretty decent, actually, as a character. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is Jack McBrayer kind of annoying? Jack McBrayer is Jack McBrayer. Like, so- that southern wussy gentleman... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just after like four. At the same time, though, he wrong. is he is the annoying guy in that. Like Felix is the annoying guy that you kind of don't want to like because he's the opposite of the main character. Oh, okay. But he's not. He's in no way aggravating. I guess I should say. Like he doesn't piss you off every time he's on screen. I just personally didn't care about him at all. Okay. Is there like a cut and dry villain in the movie, or is it more of just a, you know sad situation that gets worked out uh like do you want me to quickly run down what what the story is uh maybe like for maybe for anybody listening that hasn't seen it yet maybe maybe a brief like i have a sense of it from the trailers and whatever but right so wreck it ralph he's been a bad guy or whatever he's been the villain in this video game called fix it felix jr for I think it was 30 years and he's just kind of sick of being the guy that everybody hates 
Yeah. Like in his video game because he's the enemy. So while they're giving Felix all the praise and stuff, they wouldn't be giving him any praise and whatnot if he wasn't there. Uh-huh. And he like it starts off where he's kind of going to group therapy about it. Yeah. Called what is it? Bad Anon? Like Bad Anon? Bad Anonymous? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bad guys. Yeah, get it? Yeah. With a whole bunch of other characters and that whole sort of thing. Um and he, the basic idea is he breaks into a party, the party that they're throwing for Felix for 30 years of the game. And they're all kind of talking and stuff. Like, he's actually a nice guy, but everybody still hates him. And they basically say that if they he got a medal, they would give him a room in the penthouse instead of the trash heap that he lives in. Okay. So he, so he goes to the game. He goes to the bar, Tapper's. And he meets up with a Marine from this game called Medal of Duty or something. Yeah. Or Heroes Duty. Her- or Heroes Medal. I can't remember, actually, now. Okay. That seems like something that might have been important. to. Jane Lynch is there. Yeah, she's the main person there. I can't mm-hmm. remember her name. Uh, and the Marine dude was saying how, like, you're helping the main player get a medal. So he breaks into that game... He grabs the medal at the very end and somehow, I'm not going to get into spoiler territory, gets thrown into another game. Mm. And then in that game, that's where he meets Vanellope, which is Sarah Silverman's character, and she steals the medal for her own personal reasons and uses it to do something. And then you get into this whole thing where Sugar Rush is actually kind of like, there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes with the ruler of sugar rush the game ruler thing king candy oh. name. okay so there's a villain within sugar rush right well not necessarily a villain but there's bad things happening not bad things just weird things okay yeah i think like, i've heard some of this stuff then but... okay yeah there's a whole backstory happening in sugar rush and that slowly but there's an opportunity for ralph to help a situation and and Felix as well, and of course Calhoun apparently is Jane Lynch's character, so she helps out with another situation. And so you know, characters work together, solve it, problems. It's a, it's a learn pixel, about themselves. It's a Disney movie. It's a Disney movie, yeah. That's all I could say. It's really good, though. And 3D, you said was pretty, pretty pimp. 3D is pretty good. Uh, like when you're just watching the parts of the movie where they're just hanging out and doing stuff, it's whatever because mm-hmm. it's just the normal space but when they're looking through the glass of the arcade cabinets at people or when there's hud stuff on the screen then it's really pretty good okay so it's not a bad movie to see in 3d and it gives the makers of it more money so i'm okay with that uh what do you think is the like most inside baseball video game joke they make okay um I'm going to go ahead and say one thing that bothered me. When we okay. were watching the movie, like people were getting obvious references to different video games. Mm-hmm. But more people in my theater knew who Skrillex was rather than Dig Dug. Dug and that bothered me. There's a Skrillex joke? For two seconds. He's a DJ at the party. Uh... I know. Okay. And people are like, oh my god, it's Skrillex. But then you see Dig Dug walk by, nothing. It's like, you fucking losers. 
Okay. Is he making the like little tones as he's walking? Dig Dug? Yeah. Uh, he just kind of like, walks by for two seconds. You know, when as he as he walks, literally for two seconds, like he he is just in the main. Okay, this is another weird thing. So, the what are they called now? The power bars. Yeah. That you would plug all the different arcade machines into. That's actually like the game station, the central like hub, like central station sort of thing where all the characters meet up after closing hours. Is electricity place okay? No, well, yeah, and basically the different plugins and outlets and stuff are the trains back to their own game. Oh, okay. I thought that was cool. All right. And you okay. Have, you do have Someone... weird references in there. There's a Metal Gear reference. Mm-hmm. Um, Sonic's okay. in there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. This is this is an issue Ryan Davis highlighted, and I didn't think it would be an issue until you just said Metal Gear. Um, this is all ostensibly taking place within an arcade. Mm-hmm. Why is anyone from a console game there? What do you mean? Oh, like... Like, there's no Metal Gear arcade game. There's no, you know... Like, what is the Call of Duty-esque game really like? It's called Heroes Duty, I guess. And it's more like those, um... It's like gun not, shooters? Yeah, more like a light gun shooter than it is a console Halo-type Medal of Honor game. Right, because like as I when I saw the trailer, like there's points flying off everything, so I figured like okay, it's like an arcade approximation of that. Yeah. But to hear snakes in it, like that's a little weird. Snakes not in it. Oh okay. I said there's a reference. Oh, okay, so it's a little more broad. Yeah. Okay. I I guess I'll see it. I can I can see what the things like that. But did it seem kind of weirdly antiquated that there's a successful arcade in 2012? No, because just because our city doesn't have one doesn't mean there aren't ones. I mean, Seattle oh, has one. Oh, I guess I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I guess I'll... And they actually do something kind of neat with that. They talk about, at one part, when the arcade's been going through these years, and you see the cabinets change accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they get more modernized. Unplugged. Isn't that a thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So then they'll be trapped in their world, apart from all their friends. Yeah. Is that what happens? I'm not going to get more into that. All right. I'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I'm going to briefly touch on the one TV thing I watched. Too Many Pinkies was a pretty good episode. Great. Oh, that was a lot better than the premiere they did last week. I'm happy to hear it. Um. Yeah. Depressed, depressed Pinkie Pie is a great thing for character studying. So, I don't know. They, they did that a little bit. A couple, couple, you know, quibbles here and there. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I guess I won't really get into it. Like, no, they, get into it. We have someone listening that likes right. ponies. See, they could have really gotten into the ethics of cloning if they wanted to. Okay. They don't. They take the easy way out with a kind of simplified, like, this isn't the real pinky, so we'll just get rid of that. And you're just like, whoa, wait a minute. What are the implications of what you're doing right now, Twilight Sparkle? They just wait, don't. so they just kill a clone? Uh, they 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 use some magic spell on them and send them back into the the pool where they came from. But yeah, so they kill it. They end its life. They kind of end its life, which I That's thought was terrible. a little weird. Yeah, like and the test. What the hell use, type pony porn are you watching? This is this is a real episode. This was not a fanfic, dude. This is a real one that happened. There's this some weird stuff that happens in it. This though. is disgusting. Your show is reprehensible. No, it, it was it was a little more charming than that. But, uh, yeah. Well, what I heard is that they created life 
mm-hmm. which was a cute little pony, and then they brutally slaughtered it in front of little kids' eyes. They really funnily slaughter it in a way that's not creepy. Well, if it's funny, I can get behind it, so go on. Yeah, um, the spell kind of makes them inflate all weird and then turn into this weird stuff. <laughs> cute. It's like popcorn. They're kind of like popping pinkies. It's weird. Um, and the way they kind of test whether or not she's the real one is by forcing her to look at a wall of paint drying, because she's a very attention deficit kind of pony. So, I thought that was a little strange, though. Like, that wouldn't necessarily really distinguish the real Pinky from the other ones. So, I don't know. It was kind of an odd thing. But whatever. There's, like, jokes throughout. There's little character moments. Punk clouds. I thought that was funny. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, it, it is returning to kind of the model of an episode that I prefer to the openings and closings of seasons. So, better than the previous one. I'm not sure if it's, like, one of my favorites at all. Like, it was okay. I have only watched it one time. But, okay. generally encouraged. Either way, I am happy for you. Alright. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay. Let, yeah, let's move on to video games, because you played a video game, too. Uh, I played a video game all the way through, but like I said, every night I've been kind of streaming whatever the hell I've been doing. Uh, I played Shadow the Hedgehog on the PS2 a little bit. That game is not nearly as bad as people say. It's just a 3D Sonic game, so if you don't like those to begin with, you're not going to like this either. Is the shooting mechanic good? It's fine. Okay. Like, I don't know, there were some parts where you would go off a big-ass ramp, just like 50 Cent in that game, where they tell him to hit the big-ass ramp. And then when you're then when you're in the air, there'll be a bunch of guys below you, and you can just blast suckers in the face. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's fine. It it's like every other 3D Sonic game in the fact that it doesn't control well. Yeah. So on targeting and stuff is there though. But it doesn't control any worse than like Sonic 06 and some of the other ones. So it was fine. I guess. I can see attitude is in it. All the attitude, man. All of it. It starts with metal music, and your Shadow's driving his motorcycle. Okay. I, I actually, was I was wondering if that qualifies as baditude. It is baditude. It's bad attitude. Also, um, I played about halfway through Silent Hill 2 yesterday, just for the hell of it. Oh, really? Okay, I haven't gotten around to that yet. Yeah. Uh, is it what you remember? Is it is it still holding up okay? Yeah, it's fun. Cool. But, I mean, I, I really like that game, so don't i mean my opinion's biased (laughs) so there you go i have nostalgia for it i should say but resident evil 2 leon's campaign so i technically only finished half of it right um it is the exact same resident evil 2 i've beaten like 30 other times in my life so which version of it are you playing ps1 or i am playing actually i was playing it on my ps3 the downloadable version oh okay so it is the analog stick version the dual shock version Right, like I guess the version I've played of it is probably one of the weirder ones. I played the N sixty four port. I ne- I've never played that version. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I think it's probably the same. Like maybe the video compression's even worse because. Do you have that card? Yeah. Oh yeah. If you ever want to get rid of it, I will buy it off you. I don't know if I want to get rid of it. But if you do, you can check it out. Oh okay. If, uh, I'll keep that in mind. I guess if I'm really hurting. Also, <laughs> where's where's that Dragon Ball Z yo? Or wait, oh, was it Dragon Naruto. Ball? No, Naruto. It's, it's Naruto. I got it. I can, I can bring it over. All right. Um, oh, and I got to give you your game back. Sorry. Uh, did you play any other Demon Souls quickly? Not yet, no. That sucks. Okay. 
anyway, so yeah. Resident Evil 2, Leon campaign, uh, same thing. I always get his campaign and Claire's campaign mixed up, specifically when you get to the lab, because you have to make a vaccine for Sherry with, cam- with Claire's campaign. Mm-hmm. And Leon's, you just have to do one thing. So it's not a huge deal. So yeah, I always get those. Directly impact each other, like stuff you pick up as Leon won't be there for Claire. Is that accurate? Um, yes, it is, but I think it's only with like two things in the whole game, and they're weapons, I believe. Oh, so you can't like profoundly screw yourself over with Claire. I don't think so. There's just no health because Leon ate all of it. The thing is, yeah, the thing is, like, had they actually done that, I wouldn't have. Had they done that, it might have been in the later version, which is a DualShock version, which I've actually never played, which is why I played it the other day. And the okay. problem is my PS1 discs are scratched to the point where they barely work. Mm. Yeah, so this is my first time playing through the release, re-release they did of it. Okay. Yeah. And since it was on two separate discs, I don't think it mattered. But, like, just some save data could go in there and let the game know. It doesn't Maybe. seem like something they would have thought of, though, the Maybe. first time I, I, through. I, I thought I heard it did that, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, maybe it does. I don't know. Like, Or, may, or maybe I, it's more general stuff. Like, if a wall blew up in Leon's campaign, it's still like that. Mm-hmm. Which just makes sense chronologically. I don't know. I haven't played it in quite a few years. That was one of my first, like, M-rated games I owned. Okay. So it was a bit of a, you know, like landmark thing in a way but I, I generally remember it being pretty cool you liked it yeah i did like it i don't know how it holds up now but you don't like tank controls right i don't know like i'm not sure if it's that general like they they can work and serve in service to a game as long as it's not totally ruining everything like there were some bad control moments in the early goings of alone in the dark the new one and like the one on Xbox 360? Yeah, the 361. It's yeah, that game's bad. <laughs> that game uh I I ended up Are you up talking playing, about the fire part? I ended up playing through all of it, but okay, yeah, there was the some very beginning really, really bad early going bits that mm-hmm. almost made me stop playing it. Yeah. Because it was doing that kind of tank type stuff with like poor camera and all this stuff and I was just like, man, if this whole game's like this, this is really 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 bad. But then when it opened up to just kind of wandering around that park and you having to find the roots and all this weird stuff. Like, that stuff I found actually kind of engaging. Right. I, I genuinely did. Like, it, it has problems all over it. But there were some there were some okay ideas in there. Like, the there's, like, living darkness that you have to get rid of via light so you can walk through it before it re-consumes the whole area. Like, there were some cool enemies and stuff. But, yeah, basically what I'm saying is tank controls have a place, but... I'm not sure whether or not I'll adjust back to them very easily. But yeah. 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 Resident Evil 2. So, you going to play the rest of it? or Like Claire's campaign? Yeah. Don't know. Probably not. Okay. I've played it enough times that I know what happens. Like, it's not a thing where I have to get through it. Mm-hmm. Do they ever really name that big trench coat guy in that game? Mr. X. Oh, okay. So, no. Okay. I no, remember he, that guy being kind of neat. He has a name, well, like, a, what are they called, a specimen number? Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't think so. Why does Nemesis get talked up so much when, when they he did was that the original idea one. 
first in the second one. And they did it better in that one, too, because there's points where he just randomly burst through walls. Yeah, like, that, yeah. that That really got me a couple times. Yeah. And then, like, everyone's like, oh, man, Nemesis was so crazy. And you're just like, you know that there was another game that did that exact same thing. It was better. And the way they did it in 2 was crazy, too, because, first of all, it was part of the B game. Mm-hmm. So you've already gone through the game once, and that doesn't happen. So you're really not expecting it. And they pre-render it, like they pre-load it, that when you open a door or whatever to get into the area that it happens, so it happens so seamlessly, it scares you. Yeah, like yeah. you're so accustomed to that wall just being a generic wall. And then you run into onto that screen, and you're just like, oh, what the? Oh, yeah. It was it was good at doing that. Clever stuff. Yeah. I'm giving you a thumbs up right now. There you go. That's yeah. really good for an audio podcast done over yeah. Skype, where I can't see you. That's true. I don't have video on. Uh, there's two <laughs> thumbs up now. But okay. Um, briefly, I started reading The Road. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but it's okay. pretty good. It's pretty engaging. Is it like the movie? I don't know. I'm kind of reading it so I can watch the movie. You've never seen the movie? I have not seen the movie. I've owned it for years, though. Okay. So I'm, I'm poised to go into that whole thing. I'm just... Okay, I, so is the book depressing? It's 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 kind of nice and heavy. There's okay. been some heavy stuff so far. Is it kind of like... It seems to be fallout, going... out The uh, way it reads. Like, it's like, yeah, scavenging for any scraps of food ever. Okay, like, so a bad. They're in a bad spot right so now. So it's pretty close to the movie, from what I can. I'm, yeah, I'm okay. hoping the movie's a good adaptation. I'm as I'm reading, I'm kind of like all of these bits could work in a movie. So I'm kind of curious what they select as being the moments they'll adapt. So it's know. actually getting you excited now to watch. Well, the- like I'm basically picturing Viggo Mortensen in my brain as I'm reading it because he seems to fit that dude. So I don't know. Like, th- th- my knowledge of the movie is already impacting how I'm perceiving the book, but it's 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 reading pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I'm not done yet, though, but I'll, I'll hopefully have thoughts on both of those things next week. Okay. But yeah, I'm just kind of in a generally, like, when I first tried to read it, like, two years ago, I just wasn't in a post-apocalyptic musing kind of mood. Mm-hmm. Now it's definitely fitting a lot more into other stuff I'm doing, like, just Walking Dead stuff and Fallout and all that, so... Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. It's good. Good little thoughts happening. Um, but okay, games. Let's talk about my. I, I played Thomas was alone. How is that? Because it doesn't look fun. Okay. Um, I th- I guess it was pretty engaging. It, it's very Lost Vikings in a way. In what way? Um, in that you're controlling a group of characters that each have one specific ability. Mm-hmm. And they're puzzling together to platform their way to the exit. Okay. Which um, I did listen to a discussion with Mike Bithel, the the developer of it, where he kind of talks about that briefly and, and mentions Lost Vikings as being a part of that. Um, but the main thing I guess he was doing, like I'm this I'm going to relate I guess parts of what what I saw with what he said. Um, th- this was on Indie Static. Uh, by the way, just just mentioning that okay. um okay he apparently when he first made the game it was just supposed to be a super minimalist platformer like it's just like you play a rectangle yeah which and, it looks like exactly yeah and you're jumping around and 
there you go. We're we're just going to strip all this down to its bare components, and that's it. And he okay. has kind of ideas about how to do neat little variations on platforming mechanics and stuff, which do show up over the course of the game. But apparently that first reveal of it got people kind of imparting story elements to these characters. Like, these not characters, these these shapes. Okay. Like, there was a rectangle, and then later there's a square, and he can't jump very high, and he's slower. So the the comments and stuff were kind of giving him personality. Like, they were saying, like, oh, man, this square is all depressed because he can't jump as well as that, that other rectangle. And, like, that's where he got the idea to start putting this narrative component onto it. He actually got that from fan feedback. That wasn't initially part of the idea. And that aspect of it is way more interesting than just the platforming stuff. Right. Because the platforming stuff, like, lo- looking at a screenshot of this game, looks like nothing. It's, like shapes jumping around in a 2d plane like that's like i'm like i'm already kind of tired of indie platformers like are you are you serious yeah but this one yeah they they have this kind of neat um way of going about narration stuff like it's it's danny wallace who um is the voice of sean in the assassin's creed game so british guy okay uh, he's he's not being a dick though in this so okay it's, it's more fun to listen to it's more just like hearing a storybook, but in a way that kind of reminded me of just being a kid and being really bored at school specifically and playing with erasers and junk just to kind of pass time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, all of a sudden, this eraser is a car, and this pencil is a dude, and whatever, I'm bored. So you're just kind of, like, putting personality onto objects because you want to. Um, this game kind of does that for you. It dictates... Um, like, hey, this this shape you're looking at is actually named Thomas, mm-hmm. and he's concerned about this thing, and he has to do this, and like, like, it's relaying this story to you, and then that kind of lets your imagination attach all these characteristics and like personality to these shapes, and it's kind of a neat little thought exercise, and like how little you really need as like a visual representation in order to become attached to a thing. You know? Okay. Yeah. So, this is an indie game, right? Yeah. So, does it need to be a game? Like, this sounds like with the narrative, you could just read it, though. Like, does it actually need? Do you need to play it, or could you read a transcript of it somewhere? Uh. Well, no, because as it's it's kind of relaying stuff at certain points as you're solving stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. It's it kind of just unfolds really nicely, and it's only like three or three and a half hours or something, maybe like, the time I spent with it. Okay. Um, and it does do some kind of gamey joke type stuff, and, like, it like it does generally have pretty solid platforming. Like, despite, you know, platforming being one of the oldest game mechanics ever, like, it does some neat Lost Vikings type posse having to solve a obstacle. Like, basically, it's like, yeah, you have, like, a shape that can jump way better, but then you need to use that larger rectangle, Thomas the mid-sized rectangle, as stairs so that the fat short one can jump up the platforms. So you're kind of just having to figure out how to navigate these environments as a group. So what you're saying, it is the new adventures of Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. Is that what they did? Sure. What? Yeah. You have platforming where you have to jump on each other? 
Well, yeah, you have a dog, you have Ashley and Mary-Kate, and I think it's Ashley is the only one that can flip switches, but Mary-Kate can jump a little bit higher. Well, okay, like, like I guess... If and you, you switch make... between them to solve little room puzzles. But, like, times five or whatever, like, you'll you'll usually be rolling around as a character... Like, okay, like, the game's called Thomas Was Alone, he's alone for, like, a minute and then he meets up all these other characters. Okay, so, so what I'm hearing is Thomas is alone ripped off a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen product. Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> or, or Lost Vikings, which is a better regarded game, but, uh, yeah. It's because nobody's played the other ones. That's true. Or I guess if you want uh, Donkey Kong 64, but in that case, it was really annoying. Agreed. Because it's it's not so much like, oh, well, Chunky's big, so this makes sense. It's just like, no, you need to shoot a grape at this switch, so you need to switch to this guy and then run all the way down this thing again and then shoot it with a grape and then switch and then run all the way down there and shoot it with the coconut guns. And you're just like, this is terrible. So, yeah, Thomas was alone, better than Donkey Kong 64. I'm going to say that. Um, Boom. Controversial yeah. opinions. Controversial opinions. Uh, it, But, yeah, it plays really well. It's not very long. It has a simple look to it, but that kind of was an interesting thought exercise in its own way. The music was really atmospheric. I, I forgot to kind of mention that. Like, it has a nice little thing to it. The story, though, like, it does kind of have an arc to it. And there was a moment or two in it that were kind of satisfying. But mm-hmm. the final ending was kind of lackluster. Like, it's just kind of like, kind of wish there was a little more to this. Like, a little more payoff in this moment than there was. But there there were some good gameplay evolutions and stuff that happened. How much is it? I, it was t- it's ten dollars by default. I think it was nine because it just came out on Steam. It's been out for a couple months on Desura and stuff. Is it worth ten dollars? Like I'm looking at a screenshot right now, and this doesn't look like it's worth ten dollars to me personally. Well, the screen, it, yeah, it, like the screenshot is barely any of the personality that game has. Like maybe maybe see some footage of it, oh. and if if that looks at all interesting, then check it out. But yeah, I don't know. I I didn't. I would definitely say I, I got my money's worth personally. Like I, I it was a simple little platformer that kind of was able to relay a new thought on that genre. Right. Even though it's been out for so long and stuff. And I guess the creator guy, he's going to do another chapter in this somehow. Like, I don't know if that means a sequel or some more content or whatever. Oh, and it has controller support and all that stuff. Like it, it played really, really fine. Oh, cool. Okay. But yeah, like, most of it, like, okay, the writing, maybe, like, there's a few jokes that just didn't really work for me. Like, they're a little too, like, ha, you know, we're self-aware about meme culture and stuff like that. Do you have a, like, example of that or something? There's there's one line specifically, but it would kind of just point out exactly what it is. Like, I'll just say it references memes in a way that I don't know how I feel about. Lolcats? I think they might actually talk about cats. So maybe, yeah, kind of. It's about, like, uh, these little bits of computer technology becoming self-aware, kind of. Okay. Um, yeah. So So the, knowing how you feel about that type of comedy and, like, when Anthony Birch does it in Borderlands 2, were you just kind of cringing when they did it? I, it was kind of like, that joke seems dated was my response. It was like, that's a little bit of an old joke. I don't know if that works anymore. But mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was not my favorite moment in the game. But it, it only stands out as, like, one moment, really, so it might not bother other people. Um, but yeah, generally, positive time. 
Good. Moving on to the big thing that happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. The Wii U experience. Yeah. That came out. Yep. Um, I'm going to... Uh, like, I... I've, Brittany and I went down to do the whole lineup experience. How did that go? I went really fine for us, anyway. Um, it was definitely a lot less people, it felt, than the Wii launch, like, six years ago. Right. And a lot less organized, too. Like, it was like Walmart just didn't think anything would happen. It was weird. What do you like, mean? I'm gonna I'm going to blame, like, just this Walmart's management as being kind of crappy. Like, that's just an experience I've had a couple times. Like, when Darksiders came out, they are just like, I don't know what you're talking about. You're just like, there's a new video game that came out, and it has a bonus item. Where is it? It's in your flyer. And they were just like, oh, like, just totally confused. No oh, idea. Weird. So, yeah, this Walmart, not a great example. But, yeah, we we lined up there at 5 in the morning. They open at 7. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, there were three people ahead of us. That's it. Okay. Um, and over the course of the next, like, two hours, maybe another dozen people showed up. So it was only, like, you know, 15 people or so. Um, but over the course of that two hours, like, some Walmart staff came out to just kind of sit up there. And they're like, what are you doing here? And we're just like, oh, the Wii U, it's a new game console coming out. We're just like, oh, all right. Like, there's no idea that this was happening. And then when we got in there to buy the thing, like, the staff was just, like, totally overwhelmed. Like, they're just like... Oh, people want this thing? All right. And they were, like, trying to get them and stack them up and stuff. Um, Weird. I had to line up. That's hilarious. Yeah. It was, just, it was the... kind of strange. Like, I talked to the one of the dudes there the night before about the Wii U launch. And he's just like, yeah, we got a bunch. Just come on by. Like, that guy knew, but I guess he's the evening guy. Like, the morning crew? No idea. Well, it's just kind of weird because to put this in some context, the mall, the Walmart you go to right yeah. beside it in the same mall has a... Yeah. Uh, is it GameStop or EB? There's an EB Games there. EB yeah. Games, yeah. Yeah. So, like, really? How the hell do you guys not know? Uh, they had a demo unit in their store, too, and, like, a big sign that said, hey, come in November 18th, check it out, like, in their electronic section for weeks. So. That's the problem guess... with management, then, because, like, the store clerks aren't. They're not required to know what product they're carrying and when. I guess. Like, they probably should have been like, hey, guys, we're just preparing for this thing that's going to happen. Like, people will want this system. Totally. It's a management thing because people working at Walmart are sad, pathetic people that just <laughs> want to go to their low-paying 9-to-5 shit job at a cashier. Mm-hmm. They don't want to know about the new hotness or anything like that in video gaming. They just want to feed their kids because their mama, their mom or dad just left. <laughs> it's just a depressing place. It's kind of a depressing place, um, but yeah, they, they like I, I, yeah. I ended up having to line up twice because I like there was like a system line, and I'm glad I got right in the system the line for the systems right away because there was a bit of a mishap. Um, I think they must have only had like eight or ten Wii U deluxes, mm-hmm. or I think just Wii U's at all, and then there was a truck on the way with more. So oh, weird. The line just kind of froze at some point for like ten minutes as they kind of awkwardly talked to a bunch of people in line and just said, "Yeah, we're just we offloading a truck right now, sort of thing." Like we don't have any anymore. Um, can you just put your name on this list and we'll call you later? And 
it was kind of extra awkward for Brittany and I because we were standing there in the line again trying to buy our games with a Wii U in our arms. Oh, wow. So, like, and there was literally a family with a bunch of kids standing, like, behind us just kind of looking at us. Yeah. And they're just like, hey, what? Where'd you, where'd you get that? And it's like, oh, we already bought them. Oh, yeah, we got one. We're just buying games for it now. And they're just like – and then, like, slowly over the course of us standing there with them, like, they got the bad news that they weren't going to get one. <laughs> so – it was kind of great. Like, we're just, like, standing there all happy with our thing, and they're just like, oh, I don't get one for Christmas. And they okay. have to go home. So for anybody that might not know, any listeners that don't know about the Wii U, what's the difference between the Deluxe and the Normal? Uh, the Deluxe comes with Nintendo Land. Uh, it is twice the storage capacity, so it's 32 gigabytes. Um, it's black, and it's my understanding there is some sort of like online currency that I get too, like a digital promotion. Okay. But I think I need to register my console for that, and I haven't typed in the serial number yet. Okay. Um, and I also, I guess it comes with like some extra cables and whatever, like a a charging station dock thing for the the gamepad. Um. Yeah. Anyway, as for the actual, oh right. No, whatever. Uh, everyone who pl- got a Wii U yesterday, though, got to experience the fun of downloading a giant 5 gigabyte patch. Mm-hmm. So that took quite a while, and, and mine kind of froze right after that. So I was a little nervous that it was just done. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time a Nintendo console has bricked, so... Yeah, So, I, but then I, I turned I turned off my power bar, turned on again, and then it had figured everything out. So weird no problems since then. Uh, but yeah, it's, it seems like a really neat device so far. Like I'm, I'm really impressed with the amount of community features you just get by default. Um, the novelty of having the same stuff happening on your gamepad as on the screen hasn't worn off. Like it's Mm -hmm. still just kind of neat to have like, all right, I'll just turn off this TV and now I have my Wii U over here and it's just streaming right to this thing and I can do everything on here. Okay. So I have a question for you. Yeah. I'm Joe Blow Hardcore Gamer number 3,652. Yeah. I see this Wii U thing. I have an iPad at home, and oh. I just want to play some badass games, but I hate Mario. You hate Mario? I specifically hate Mario. Every other Nintendo property is fine. Mm-hmm. Is this worth $350 to me right now? Right now, today? Yeah. Uh... I'm going to say... Oh, by the way, I have an internet connection, and I will be emailing you about my displeasure. Oh, okay. I'm going to say you might want to wait a little bit to see if like more third-party support happens, and specifically if the ports get better, because like, everything I've heard... But I heard Black Ops 2 is out. Black Ops 2 is out? I'm That's all sure. I care about. I have oh, it on oh. PS3 and Xbox 360, and I want it on Wii U now. Oh, well, then get it. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I will be happy then. <laughs> um, I can't actually say for sure whether the port of that one specifically is any good. I've heard some weird glitchy stuff about Epic Mickey 2, Sonic Racing, and Batman Armored Edition all have weird issues. Okay, so. that's lucky because I hate all of those. Oh, you hate all of those. Okay, yeah, cause I do- I will, but I love Assassin's Creed 3. Okay, that is on there, and yeah. according to the community that was on there... They said it was pretty cool. That's actually okay. a thing I really want to talk about. Um, the, the community stuff also has basically a forum for each game that's in the system. Like an IMDB sort of thing? 
Uh, yeah, I guess so. Like, you can okay. just go to the game, and then there's... Like, just a... I guess game-specific is what you meant, right? Yeah, game-specific. Okay, so yeah, it's yeah. like, hey, the community for New Super Mario Bros. Wii U is 10,000. And so you go in here, and there's 10,000 people just talking about the game. Okay. And you can you can give yeah upvote basically to people if you like their comments. Um, so yeah, there actually is like a like system in there basically. And it's kind of weird to hear Nintendo's actually doing good community stuff now. Yeah, like they kind of jumped good. in really late, but I'm initially pretty impressed that you know like this stuff's all free in there. You know, like there's a solid Netflix app. I was playing with that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, my only issue is like with the YouTube one is just it doesn't seem to recognize that I'm online. It's really dumb. Like think? it's just like I click Netflix, it's like, alright, yeah, good to go, log in, start watching some movies. I click the YouTube one, it kind of waits for a little bit and it's just like, Hey, I am sorry, you need to be connected to the internet to enjoy this one. Um uh, it'll it'll be pretty sweet though. It's just like I'm on the internet right now. Why can't you detect that? So I've been pretty frustrated with that because I just want to watch Mega 64 videos on my Wii U and won't let me do it. So what's that about? Um, the browser works. You know, Reddit, Reddit's there and everything. Okay, this is a thing that's totally going to happen, and I think it's funny, so I'm just going to say it before it's talked about a lot. There's this great thing you can do where you're kind of hiding whatever it is you're doing on your Wii U gamepad from the TV. There's mm-hmm. curtains. Curtains close on whatever it is you're doing. And then you can kind of open the curtains and unveil whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. That has so much potential for just the worst stuff. Like, <laughs> it's like, here it is. Whoop! Hardcore pornography of some manner is happening. And yeah. you can just bomb the, the, you know, common space television with whatever gnarly business you want. <laughs> and that's great. So here I, is my three inch wiener. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever photos, anything you can just throw up on there. And I love that there's this weird dramatic flourish to unveiling it. Like that just makes it that much funnier. <laughs> is, so, is, is there like the snare, like the, I, d- I don't ta-da. think have a time delayed little dramatic buildup, but it's more just like, and like the curtains open and there so there is, is a sort of like ta-da moment and then someone's asshole if, if yeah if you if you want to do that you can totally do that which, oh my god okay yeah it it was pretty funny and because you have the power like you like i also have it used as a universal remote right mm-hmm. so i i can like you can just be sitting in the room with a turned off television I can turn on the television and then bombard you with nonsense <laughs> via the remote, which I can't, like, I think is just hilarious and it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, like there's parental controls and stuff in there to prevent that stuff, but I turned all that off. I'm sharing all my online activity with everybody because I don't care. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty keen on that. And yeah, like it's it kind of for me really just highlights like Miiverse is so much more generous in in nature than Xbox Live Gold is, which isn't hard to do. But, you know, Microsoft continues to kind of dig themselves into this weird space of being negative jerks with tons of advertising and all this garbage. Yeah. This this right out of the gate is better than that. Um, oh, I'm, totally. Everything's better than Microsoft right now. They're terrible. Yeah, they're pretty terrible. Um, I guess they also do have games-on-demand kind of service. Like, I could buy Zombie U 
via credit card and just put it on my system. Yeah, I, yeah. I have stuff up there. Hmm. Um, I really hope the downloadable space is a lot more interesting on the Nintendo console this time around. Like, there's some cool stuff developers could do with this control setup, and I'm hoping they're more, you know, inclined to promote that stuff. Like, they, they seem to have a good system in place to kind of promote that stuff. Like, they have the community forum stuff right built in, you know, uh, video. Like, I, I was able to easily watch a game trailer for some of the indie game stuff, like Nano Assault Neo or something. Okay. Is that a game? Sure. Or whatever. It is like, now. Just watch trailers and stuff, get people's thoughts on it, whatever, really easily in the system, you know. And that stuff's pretty well organized. Like, you can search specific games, like because the Wii U shop. I, I was messing around with it a little bit when I bought that art style game. It's mm-hmm. terrible. It's so poorly organized. This seems to have a lot more thought put into it already. So I'm I'm pretty happy about that. There are some apps that like are apps whatever channels that seem useless, like. Amazon Video and Hulu Plus are on there, and I don't think I can do that in Canada. Right. So it seems like a weird, mean little tease to have that there, but whatever. Um, and the TV stuff, like VII, is just not up yet. That's not until December. So That's weird. They couldn't yeah. just roll it out. There's still more stuff I don't know about yet, but my initial impression was pretty positive. That said, I didn't get to play any video games on it. What games did you get for it? Uh, Nintendo Land, which came with it, and I bought Super Mario Brothers U, mainly for the co-op experience. What games are you looking forward to getting? Uh, Pikmin 3. Um, I'm still curious about Wonderful 101, like if that pans out into something interesting, and Game & Wario, I'm pretty keen on. Okay, so I'm hardcore gamer again now. Oh, okay, you're playing this character again, okay. Okay, so I got, so hold on, I just gotta get in character. <sighs> Yo, I just got this Wii U shit. There's no fucking games for it. Oh, uh, zombies? You like zombies, right? No, I fucking hate zombies. What else? Oh, uh, have you played Black Ops yet? Well, dude, I love Black Ops. Oh yeah, they they got they got Black Ops two on there. Okay, no, in all seriousness, <laughs> um, for me personally, like you kind of know my taste, right? Uh, like what what should I what would I get? What would you get? Um. You genuinely were kind of curious about Black Ops, though, right? Oh, no, like, I will get Black Ops eventually, but it'll be on a system I already have. Oh, okay, fair enough. Um, just, I've heard, actually, gener- like, genuinely speaking for a second, I, I was already, but about Black Ops. Um, the campaign's supposed to be kind of neat? Well, the campaign for Black Ops 1 I liked, so it automatically, too, was sold for me. I just haven't bought it yet. Okay. Because I'm um, going to scam EB Games. Right. I'm waiting for a previously played version or whatever, because those are the only ones you can refund. Yeah. And their trading credit apparently is garbage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm not doing that. What would you get day one? Like, man, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I, from what I saw at E3, like, I think I'm expecting to actually have some genuine fun with Nintendo Land, but that's, I don't mind multiplayer or whatever. Isn't that a thing that you almost need another three people for, though? You kind of want people around in order to do that well, yeah. Um, yeah, like Mario Brothers looks super generic in a lot of ways. You know, like it's like it's so by down the line exactly what you'd think they would do. Right, and the only fun that you would really have with that is with like three other people. 
right. I will say though, like you know, it's it's kind of aside from what's out right now. It's just the idea of doing the video streaming to the con- like the handheld version, just mm-hmm. seems really novel. Like I'm, I just think that's actually a thing I will use more often than. So you're looking at it more as like a technology buy than looking- a video game console. Right now, yeah, I'm looking more at this as like there's actually is a lot of genuine potential in this system, um, and only parts of it are being realized now. Like, I, I'm actually I'm really curious like whether it can do that stuff backwards. You know, like if can you play a Wii game on there? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe just because control stuff. Now that I'm thinking about it, but like, can I stream virtual console stuff to my to my thing and just play that around because if in that case like that's just a neat bit of nintendo technology there because i can play super mario worlds wherever in my house right which yeah again it's all limited to being tied to your house so it really is better in a situation where multiple people are competing for the tv like this actually does have a function there but also people who like reclining in their bed and playing video games in it that's me so I don't know. It, Does it that work pretty... well though? Like you have the console out in your living room or whatever. Does it work well when you take it to your bedroom? Uh, I kind of want to reposition the system a bit because there was a couple moments yesterday where it lost connection. Like completely? Uh, once completely, it lost it completely. But I didn't have to like then return to the living room to fix it. I just had to kind of hold it up again, and then it found the signal again. It's kind of yeah. weird. Hmm. But yeah, like it was like I was cradling it too close or something, or I don't know what happened. You were hugging it too much? Yeah, I was just hugging it and just being like, this is so awesome. And then it lost track of it. Now, I don't know what, what caused that, but hopefully I can prevent that by just putting it in a different place in my room or whatever. Okay, so wrapping up quickly, $350, Wii U, waited yeah. in line for two hours, bought yesterday. Do you regret any of that? Uh, No, I, okay. I don't. I guess I was really tired after getting up that early. Like, I had, like, half an hour of sleep before that. Right. Because um, I, I was up real late before. Um, and then, yeah, then that ended up yesterday, just to continue the story of yesterday. Um, got the Wii U, plugged it in, couldn't really figure out, like, updating it or whatever right away. Fell asleep for, like, eight hours. Woke up at, like, four. Had to get ready for a concert that I was going to go to. Okay. And then after said concert, which ended at like two thirty in the morning, I had to go to work. Gross. So I was, like a lot do, doing stuff. I I do briefly want to talk about the concert though because I thought it was awesome. Okay. Uh, it was James Murphy of LCD Sound System fame doing a just DJing. Great. And dude just played like all this awesome house music from I don't know when, but it was just like a nonstop stuff I could dance to, and did. <laughs> horrible dancing too but that's that was kind of the thing this is one of the first concerts where like it was just a bunch of people awkwardly dancing around <clears throat> that it was fine like i just was able to kind of not be inhibited about that and just do stupid junk for like two hours right and just sweating it up on dance floor having fun time and that was great um it did end on like just the weirdest most melancholy tragic note it could have though and I don't want to get too into specifics, but basically a friend of mine is a huge fan of James Murphy and brought like a early, early, early LCD Sound System EP vinyl that he wanted to have signed. Yeah. 
and it was it was like I don't this is like his story more than anything but I told him after it happened like dude that was insane I can't believe that happened as it did um it was like a scene out of a movie it was literally that dramatic and weird and sad what was it dudes in front of him get their album signed get a photo with him he immediately goes I have to catch a flight at 6am and leaves leaving my friend just kind of standing there just baffled and so just crushed by it like it's just like what oh it was horrible it was one of the saddest things I've seen happen in a while like I can't I can't iterate enough. Is this a friend I've met before? I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, again, I don't want to... Like, it's It was not funny in any way. It was just, like, that perfect, like... Like, we didn't... You can't really blame James Murphy at all. Like, he had a flight in, like, three hours. He had to go. You know? Like, it was just... It was just bad timing on all respects. But, <clears throat> man, it was so perfectly badly timed. I could, it was like watching that train wreck kind of thing. It was just like... I can't believe that just happened. Like, yeah. as it happened, I couldn't believe it was happening. Like, I was just standing right there. So, yeah, that was pretty bad. Like, that was too bad. Because it was such a great show. Like, it was a legitimately really, like, just the acoustics and everything was great. The crowd was pumped up about it. Like, it was, like, a sold-out show of, like, a small group of people that were all happy to be there, just having fun with, like, this, these beats. And then, yeah, it ended on that note, which was too bad. Were the but, beats fat? The beats were so fat. It was awesome. Like okay. they, and they just never stopped being interesting. And I, yeah, I have no idea what he was playing really. Like what, like what era of like it's, I'm gonna assume like some business that was going on in France in like the 90s, but I don't know. But it was great. So yeah, G- general general overall experience was still really fantastic. I will say briefly, there was a pub related baffled story that happened before that. I was really hungry. Yeah, I ordered a pulled pork sandwich mm-hmm. at the bar. Um, I looked at their menu. It was like it was a bit pricey. It was fifteen dollars for this sandwich, but I was like, I'm really hungry. All the other stores are closed. I'll 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 get that. Yeah, ate the sandwich. It was it was good. It was it was some quality pork, and I was I was pretty happy about it. Later, we go upstairs once the the they're starting to take tickets, and you can go up into the main area. Yeah, I see another menu on the table, and I see the same pork sandwich for six dollars right and i had no idea like i was just like i was like how does this happen how in the same building is the same sandwich nine dollars less if you go up 10 stairs and go to the left a little bit they usually do that that's a thing yeah like at the saddle dome if you get a beer at the main area there yeah it's like in the main circle area the circles around the whole dome yeah it's really expensive, but if you go upstairs to the second level to the little stand they have there, it's like half the price. That's insane to me. Because, like, I'm, like, I'm used to the, you know, like, obviously, if I was at a grocery store, for yeah. $15, I could buy a huge ham. Well, but... for $15 at a grocery store, you can buy supper and next the next day's lunch. Yeah. Really. Like, yeah. I, like I'm I'm used to giant disparities in price, but not that close to each other in the same building. And like to see them walk up the stairs to that place and grab that sandwich and bring it to me, like I essentially paid a guy nine dollars to do that. Yeah. Which I was just like so bad like just like I don't understand anything anymore, what's going on. But whatever. Yeah. It was it was okay. You but paid then, the convenience fee, my friend. 
the convenience fee. But it was not even like I could have done that myself. I was so just choked at that. I was like, I can't believe that happened. What? <laughs> and then that that almost ruined my like that not specifically, but eating all this stuff. Like I ate that pork sandwich, then had to go to find an ATM, ate a big piece of pizza, then got back, ate these fried mushrooms, and that was the worst combination of stuff just before dancing. Like, I felt gross for, like, half an hour. Like, I was just like, yeah. I think it just ruined the evening. I'm going to fall over and vomit on this dance floor. No, it only, it takes a few minutes of just sitting. It goes away. Yeah, I was hoping maybe they had antacids or something, but they just, whatever. It, it went away, and then I was able to resume having fun. But I was right really working my night. But yeah, that was, that was yesterday, and yeah. And that's that. And that's that. That that was that was it. Oh, I also went to a place called Boogie's Burgers this week. Yeah. That I briefly want to highlight just because it's a neat local spot that I didn't know existed. Have you ever been there? Many times. I used to live right by it, and my parents used to go there for lunch. Yeah, it's been around for like 40 years. Yep. I had no idea. I Same ownership, out. too. Hmm? Same ownership, too. Oh, okay. And they, they have all sorts of arcade machines there. Yep. And they are really expensive. They are they are pretty expensive, but I burgers was, are good though. I was pretty impressed by just the size of the burger. Yeah. And it totally like I shouldn't have ordered a super spicy burger in retrospect. It was called Blazing Saddles or something. Yeah. Um, but you know it's a it's a movie reference, so right there. And it's um, almost like a bar. Like when you walk in, you sit at a bar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the burger was as advertised. It was spicy, but there was good mushrooms in it. And it, it was really awesome. But I want to go back and get something else. Yep, Edmonton Trail, if you're ever in Calgary. Yeah, just, I, like, I'm so used to Peter's being the local burger place, but... That's not local to you at all. <laughs> well, it's, it's in the same area. I'm just saying Calgary's... Oh, in Calgary, okay. ...unique burger, burger. Dude, I can't eat the burgers at Peter's. They make me sick. I've had them a lot, and they're not that impressive to me anymore. And it just seemed like the menu diversity at Boogie's was pretty exciting. It so... is, like, three times the price, though. Like, a... Burger is a solid three fifty, I think, at Peter's. Yeah. And for two burgers and a milkshake, one time I went with someone. I think we ended up spending twenty three dollars. Yeah, you you do pay a bit for that. It was like it was good though, good quality meat and everything. Yeah, quality's there, and the variety was there. And I had an apple crumble milkshake, which was in theory a good idea, but I wish I had a spoon because it was too thick for a straw. So it was kind yeah. of an hassle but and okay and brief brief one beef though like as as Brittany and i were uh, pulling beef. Up, yeah we were, we were joking around about burger time because it just came to mind because burger time yeah it's, it's burger time we're about to eat burgers and they had a burger time machine there which we thought was hilarious and awesome and we were gonna play it and it didn't accept our quarters and yeah why so, i don't know i put them in and it was just like Nothing happened. It just didn't recognize that anything had happened. Uh, we got one of those two quarters back and slunk out of the store sad. So, Uh-oh. yeah, it was too bad. Maybe next time I'll get to play Burger Time. Uh, but they also had, like, Street Fighter and Robocop pinball and stuff. So, I don't know. It was it was a cool place. But, yeah, sorry, I've been talking a lot. But uh, it, was, it was a good week. I was and happy about it. On that sad note... As yeah. always on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash thepixelresponse. Email address is podcast at pixel-response.com. Twitter is at pixel underscore response. I'm at exposure, E-X-F-A-U-X-S-U-R-E. Nathan is Krasnor at K-R-A-Z-N-O-R. 
uh, look us up on Stitcher. Give us a thumbs up. It helps a lot. And as always, go to pixel-response.com for more. Oh, and add Krasnor on the Wii U and give me some yas. No, don't do that. Don't give him any yas. No yas for Krasnor. I want more yas. I got zero. And you will stay at zero. Krasnor G. No, I'm just Krasnor on there. I got the original business. The original? Yeah. And with that, I got to edit tomorrow's Indie Talks with Mango Down. Oh, yeah. And you have to play... Something? I actually have to, like, see Wii U games. Maybe uh, maybe my whole take on it will change. It's like, man, these games are terrible, but I don't know yet. So I'll find out soon. Oh, I guess a quick question I got here. Orange Juice on Ice. Paul, what's your opinion on My Little Pony? Would you consider checking it out? I've checked it out. I've watched about six episodes of the first season, and while I could see some merit in it, it's not for me, and I don't like it very much. Okay. And that's the best season, so it doesn't get better. There you go. All right. All right. So see you next week. Thank you.